Kier said that this might be the most un-Austin film that we've ever discovered, but since I've been living in Australia, I've dated a couple of Brazilian people, and they've introduced me to this film, and, <laughs> and so I figured we would get ourselves a little bit of an education into the life of the slums or the favelas in Rio de Janeiro. We're going to talk about Elite Hey, well, I'm not dig this movie. I'm Kier Seward, an independent filmmaker and photographer, as well as a guy who wonders who would win in a battle between the hard-ass drill sergeants. Um, Wagner Mora in Elite Squad or Vigo in G.I. Jane. And I'm Austin Hayden-Smith, philosopher, actor, writer, producer, etc., etc., etc. Dude, what about fucking Full Metal Jacket, bruh? Nah, I mean he's kind of an older dude. I think nah. I think I think I think he's got two young bucks. I think we're good. I think I think it's gonna be between Mora and and Vigo. What I mean, definitely he yells better than the other two than the other two of them do. But you know, I don't know. I feel like physically they take. What about him down. the dude from Starship Troopers that breaks that fucker's arm? What Clancy Brown? <sighs> Fuck's sake, Austin! You always do this. You can't <laughs> just look at the fucking question. You gotta question the question. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm a philosopher. I question questions, man. That's what I do. They grew up together in the world's most dangerous city, watching the criminals rule the street and the corrupt run the law. But when the city claimed the ones they loved... Their only choice was to join the fight. Now, they'll enter the nation's top police force to clean up the crime on both sides of the law. I, I have no idea how to make the pronunciation in Portuguese, but it's actually elite troop would be the like the 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 transliteration it's uh tropa de elite de squad sounds cool i think it's though. it's like tropa de leech um so elite troop mm -hmm. and it's a 2007 film that was directed by uh, jose padilla um do you know who jose is padilla neto yes uh yeah he directed a documentary called bus 174 he also directed the terrible <laughs> robocop robocop remake <laughs> And uh, he was also the director of the first season of Narcos. Yeah, that's right. So um, I would he's argue a producer. he yeah. is a bad director. <laughs> Just in general. Um, so I think you're, Just in general. you're showing your cards, I think, for what you feel about this movie already. Um, but basically, <laughs> Elite Squad tells the story of a, uh, of a captain of uh, Bope. And Bope is... A special police force battalion similar to the SWAT team in the United States. It's a sort of paramilitary police force that is uh, uh, that patrols the favelas in Rio de Janeiro. So there are multiple different wings of the police force in Brazil. And then uh, there's like state police force. There's Bope. And then there's like the local police. There may be others. Um, but I'm basically telling you this from what I've learned from Brazilian friends that have kind of told me about this film and told me about life in Brazil. And Bope are different because 
One of the things you find with the regular police forces is that the levels of corruption are extremely high, that they are taking money from drug dealers and corrupt politicians and things like that, whereas this film basically talks about this elite squad, Bope, as being immune from that, as being the, the people who are still committed to the principles of the rule of law. They're, you know, anti-drug, they um, are family-oriented, and they're trying to really... Uh, I don't know if they're trying to clean things up so much as they are trying to take out uh, the the drug cartels or the leaders of the drug cartels, uh, or let's just say the drug dealers. I don't know about cartels, but the drug dealers in the favelas. So it tells the story uh, of Wagner Mora, who is the captain of Bope, who is looking to retire. He's got a child on the way, a son on the way, and he realizes how dangerous it is. So he is looking for somebody to take over his position. So there are these two recruits, uh, Andre Matias, and then Neto is the other guy and it basically tells the story of these two recruits when they first joined the police force and how it is that they rise the ranks as rookies in the police force and kind of staying away from the corruption of course they haven't been in the police force long enough maybe to to get sucked in but nevertheless they get invited to uh the training camp to be a part of Bope to see if Wagner Mora's character, his name's Nascimento, uh, if he wants to have them replace him. And uh, he basically ends up choosing one of the two, uh, Andre Matias, who um, ends up kind of becoming a good recruit. And we kind of see him going from his early sort of more idealistic time when he wanted to be a lawyer to when he sort of becomes this badass he almost he basically becomes an assassin by the end of the film. So um, it's a really strange film. And the reason I chose this film is because of a couple of things. One, like I said, is it's been recommended to me by a few friends here uh, in since I've been in Australia. That it's it's kind of billed as being semi-fictional, as I've seen it written a couple of times. Which is a strange way to... Because any film, I guess, is semi-fictional. Um, but I think the point is, is that... that there is a sense in which they tried to be as realistic and as accurate as possible in portraying some of these tensions between this elite special police force team and the drug dealers in the favelas in Rio. Um, obviously, it's a dramatized version of that. But nevertheless, from what I've been told from people who live uh, and are from Brazil, who are only here for a short amount of time, um, that they say that this is a pretty accurate depiction on things. And this film has been largely credited with actually... Um, creating a lot of awareness around some of these problems in the favelas. So that's why I kind of wanted to talk about this film. And I think it's kind of fucking interesting. Way too much voiceover, perhaps, but uh, interesting. What do you think, bro? So I, I think the thing I would say is that while I agree with you, I thought the film was interesting and it certainly made me think about certain things. I'm not sure I think the movie is very good. Mm. I think... So I mean, my my immediate question is to you, Austin, is I'm 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 kind of interested in this. Yep. So, in a morally bankrupt world filled with drug dealers, corrupt cops, know-it-all fucking libtard college students, mm -hmm. and quasi-military fascist police operations, who am I supposed to root for at all of this? Like, yeah. what am I? What am I? what's engaging me about this because I, the film feels it, it seems to have the structure and style of a more traditional police drama it feels like it's more trying to be something kind of straightforward and mainstream it doesn't feel like it's like say 
something that's trying to be more kind of like just a realist depiction of life on the streets kind of it feels more like it wants me to like these characters and yet i find all of them kind of suck and like i said to you on um on whatsapp it feels like the entire film's thesis is everyone in the world sucks and if you don't suck you'll get screwed over by people who do suck so you might as well suck as well yeah exactly see i uh, to me the most engaging and interesting narrative within the whole thing is matthias who i think there is a really interesting potential idea in this whole point of like his him being torn between um being a lawyer and being a cop these two kind of different elements of the law and how is law best served but I'm I'm not really sure it's a theme the film really does much with in the end besides name-checking it in the voiceover, which is mostly the way it deals with most of its themes is it explicitly states them in the voiceover. Yeah, so it, it really subtly, it really subtly does if you pay attention to what they're studying in their class. They're reading Michel Foucault's Discipline and Punish, and then they have to write a report on that. And he's working with these other students who are a part of this NGO that are trying to help these kids in the favelas. And there's this one discussion in the classroom where they talk about, you know, power and corruption of power in the police force. And I think if you're more familiar with who Foucault was in that book in particular, Discipline and Punish, then it adds those layers. So it does do some of it, but it's not it's weird because for everything else is spelled out. I mean, to me, to me again, that's a little bit like saying it mentions it in the voiceover, so therefore it explored it. I, I don't think having them read a book – I mean, I, I think you have to do that more explicitly through the text. You have to actually develop that as a concept rather than just name check it as a concept. Right. And I don't think the film really delves into a lot of these, especially when you consider that ultimately – most of the characterization is really, really just sort of straightforward. I mean, all of the most of the college students are kind of dickhead liberals who then get their comeuppance when they're actually sort of um, when the uh, when they're actually confronted with the drug dealers. The drug dealers are all kind of your normal kind of like just evil dudes, and then at the and then the elite squad turns out to just be a bunch of like fucking jarheads. I mean, basically. The, I, I, dickheads. Um, and I mean, I mean, the whole thing with Wagnamore where he's like, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a hard man, but, uh, you know, he's got a wife and kids at home to humanize him. There's a, I think, I can't remember what it was. I think it was a college humor video that was all about like, um, uh, them doing like, um, uh, studies were like, so uh, we found that people were more likely to engage with this rock if we put lots of little rocks next to it. Um, <laughs> you know, basically making fun of the fact, you know, it's like, oh, you know, he's human because he's got a wife and kids at home. Right. And, you know, and again, like, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with a lot of these things. It's not like I'm saying it's not. Uh, I, I, I just think that this film in many ways did a lot to irritate me. Mm. And I would have kind of liked it if it had fleshed out some of these ideas more because it was frustrating because I would have these points and I was about I was kind of semi into the movie at various points. I mean, I, I, I wasn't bored. I'll say that. Um, but I kind of kept thinking, like, I just really wish they'd delve into this more, and I kind of wish the movie was just all about Matthias, because I don't mm. find Wagner Moore's character very interesting. And I think Matthias, to me, he had this kind of, like, fall from grace arc that could actually have been really interesting if it had been fully developed and been made more the main focus. Whereas it was more as this thing they kept checking in with and checking out of, and then I'd have to go back to Wagner Mora just being a dick to his wife. Yeah, here, this is what I'll say. I, I agree with you. I think that um, 
the wick. So for people that are listening who haven't seen this film, I would recommend to see it. You can find it on like Put Locker or Amazon or something like that. I mean, that. I wouldn't say don't watch yeah. it by any means. So, I mean, I think if, if anything, it's at least interesting as a kind of curio of um, of sort of foreign cinema. And and you will learn quite a bit about uh, a particular element of uh, of culture in Rio de Janeiro in particular. Um, so uh, the one thing I will say is – so for people who haven't seen the film yet, uh, the film starts off with – it basically throws us into the middle of the film. Um, it throws us in the middle of this – Which, again, I have a real problem with on a structural basis. I think it's a really bad piece of structure. It it, it, it literally does nothing for the narrative yeah, which is, to do it so, that early other than to say, there's going to be some action in this movie. Don't be, set, don't, don't be worried that there's not going to be action. <laughs> so um, – when it the when the first the first five minutes of the film, I was into it. I was like, "This is fucking amazing." I liked the camera work. I liked how immersive it was. I liked how it was dark and seedy, and it throws you into this world, right? And then all of a sudden, the voiceover kind of takes over, and it becomes, uh, it sort of goes back in time. And then the the point is is that it then it's supposed to lead us up to that moment, which you then get to halfway through. So then halfway through the film, you're then back at the beginning of the movie where you're into the car with these police and then you realize what's going on and what led to those events and then you get like maybe the rest of the film is like a couple days after that whereas uh, the first half of the film is like the months leading up to that opening scene what i would have preferred to see is if they would show us that opening i, I don't know but what i would have preferred is that they would have done some way of cross-cutting the stories of Neto and Matthias as friends that had some sort of different kind of connection to Wagner Mora, who maybe they were aiming for Bope, or maybe he was recruiting them. Maybe they weren't aiming because you wouldn't get the fall from grace in Andre Matthias's, uh, Matthias's character that you get, but that somehow he's like trying to aim for them and that they could have done a better way of like cross-cutting between those two storylines rather than it being told all through voiceover that makes it seem like Mora is the one that his character is pulling the strings, right? That he's like, he's just searching for his replacement and that's how we're introduced to the characters of Neto and Andre Machias, which makes them seem far more incidental, whereas I think you're right, the far more interesting way to do it would be to make them more central and him more of like the incidental kind of character, which you can still you can still have the greater structuring about him trying to find his replacement, but somehow it comes in like at the end of the first act or into the second act, that that's what you then understand their tensions of, you know, him, uh, Machias in particular, his character of is he going to be a police officer or a lawyer? And what about his girlfriend who works for the NGO and they don't know that he's a cop, but they're doing work in the favelas, but that can danger everybody. And then he's got this other friend, Neto, who's a little bit more about war. He's a little bit more of like, he's the fighter of, you know, like that, that, that would have been a much more interesting way to tell the story, I think, as well. So... Yeah. Well, and here's here's the weird thing to me. This this film felt more like a pilot for a TV show to me. It felt like it was setting a whole bunch of things up that are. It's like you know how like when you watch a pilot for like the TV show, you you can feel how they're kind of like okay, so this is going to be the concept. So right. this is a li we're not quite to our like our show by show structure yet, but you get all of these things we're setting up so that we can just go. Ten seasons with these characters, and this is going to be the dynamic. Or, or so um, that we can do some sort of screen tests, and we can see what the audience wants, and then we'll cut out the periphery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and and that's the thing is kind of because I'm kind of sitting there going like, I mean, maybe Wagnamora, if you gave me a whole season of him, would become an interesting character, but I don't think he is, mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of the. So, so okay, actually, I had a really interesting thought 
that relates to this, which is that I what this movie kind of made me think a little bit about was um, the Deadlands, that uh, the the Maori um, sort yeah. of action movie that we watched, where you're kind of like, I feel like this is taking um, taking a more Hollywoodized stripped down kind of very generic form of storytelling and recontextualizing it in a different type of culture. And while I think there's always something potentially interesting about that, that's why I, I suggested the, the, that's why I, I, we talked about the Deadlands. I, I feel like it does this film a disservice because I think this film, there's a lot of potentially really interesting themes in this, but at the same time, by the third act, I'm really left struggling to try and figure out where the film sits in all of this because I don't really know where my sympathies are supposed to lie and who I'm and, and, and what this film's thinks about an awful lot of these things. So it's, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of, and I, and I, I kind of said to you, I would be interested to know what your Brazilian friends made of this. Because to me, what I was left with kind of feeling was all of these people suck and I hate all of this. So Am I rooting for anybody? Am I supposed to be rooting for anyone? Does the film actually think the elite squad is good or bad? Like, I, yeah. I can't figure any of that out. Yeah, and there's this real, like, prudish conservatism that that governs the elite squad's operations, right? Like, constantly Andre Machias is calling people, like, drug addicts and it's your fault because they just smoke a little weed. Like, is that why they're fucking... That was the thing I found really interesting, too, is, like, because it wasn't even like they were doing crack. They were, like, selling weed. Yeah, like, they smoke a little weed. Like, yeah, there was... The, the one guy was doing cocaine and selling cocaine, too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're but, right, but the, you're right. But, this, but his school friends, they're smoking a little weed and drinking and dancing at a party, and he's viewed as, like, like how dare you, you scum of the earth, you know? So, yeah, I, I do think that I find that I to thought be... there was a real conservative edge to this film, definitely. definitely. Especially when you have that thing. Because, again, okay, so... The, the classroom is interesting. The classroom conversation is is interesting. And that's probably one of my favorite parts of the film where they're sitting there and they're discussing the role of the police. And I thought you have these very um, kind of bourgeois students who feel very disconnected from the reality. Well, you might like this. They just, going, finished, yeah, the they just finished reading Michel Foucault. These are the people that would get mad about Green Book, right? Like the people mm -hmm. who are reading about power and, structures and who are like, no, all of the police are yeah. scum. And they're like, well, wait a second. And he's like, wait a second. Aren't there honest police officers? And like, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. there's an interesting discussion. Yes. In the same way that I think there's actually something really interesting at this idea of these, 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 him, him being stuck between the idea of being a cop and a lawyer. These two really right. different ways of approaching the law and these different positions within the law. But at a certain point when the evil drug dealer, um, you know, just sort of point blank sh shoots one of those stupid students and then um, burns the other one uh, to death in a tire fire, part of me kind of feels like this is the film going, see you fucking libtards, this is what you get for questioning this shit. And, and, and it's like – and I'm sort of left a little bit kind of wondering with this too if that's the film's perspective on that opinion – I'm also kind of left with, does then the film think that it's good what the elite squad is doing? Because their tactics are kind of just incredibly gross and unsettling. So yeah, I'm, I kind of I kind of wish we would have gotten a little bit more of like an, a sympathetic or an empathetic look at the life in the favelas rather than them just being like this cesspool of 
poverty and drugs and crime and prostitution and stuff, right? But that's how they were viewed. And I wish, like, you know, like even the little boy who needs the glasses, like it's the police that give him the glasses, right? Like it would have been nice if he had like some friends in the slums that they've got money. Like clearly they're doing a lot of drug deals. And and I know that that shit does go on, that there is like self-policing that goes on in the favelas and that that's where part of the tension comes in is that they feel like the police are coming in and trying to enforce state rules. And it's like, hey, let us run our own little world. But then, of course, that's where you get some of the corruption with the police and they're like, hey, we'll come in when when we need to. But at the same time, as long as we're on the take, we'll let you guys kind of run your own shit. So, I mean, I get that, but I would have liked to have seen more nuance in that in that when I think that's the interesting thing is that classroom scene had potential to really dive into a real kind of interesting idea in this point about um how you work as a a, a, uh, you know how you work in in terms of the the police and how you police society I mean so I mean obviously the idea being that the students are almost trying to claim that well we we don't need any kind of police force that that you know that that the, the world will simply police itself you know and i i think you know the counterpoint on that is of course interesting is the idea that um you know he's coming from the perspective of i believe in the law i believe in that 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 law needs to be enforced and i think that like I said, I think there's a potentially interesting conversation to be had in that. But the problem is I, I actually feel that ultimately that scene is just ends up being a setup for a punchline later on rather than actually being an interesting dissection of that. And that's kind of where the movie then goes downhill for me mm. is that I realize at a certain point that that's not the conversation that the film's trying to have and that ultimately these drug dealers are essentially no more complex than, say, the guys in... Um, you know, the guy, the, the, the bad guys in say a taken movie, you know, the, mm. the Albanian gangsters mm. in taken, you know, and, and so I'm kind of left with, okay, so this is ultimately just kind of a, a dumb action movie and well, I'm not sure the action's that great. I think it's, I think it's fine. I, it's all kind of on that level. It's kind of passable. So one of, one of the things that might have bearing on this discussion is that there is a really rich, uh, let's say tradition of machismo in brazil they call it like machism or uh I, I don't know what it is in portuguese but when they try to when when a lot of my brazilian friends say it in english they say machism but it's machismo is what they're saying right and this is one of the things that really has centered around the election of you know the new president bolsonaro um but it's kind of like the brazilian trump yeah, I mean, that's what they've said, right? Right? Just because he kind of is used a lot of like, he's pretended that he wasn't like one of the corrupt swamp politicians or something like that, even though the dude's been in politics. Well, he's also, he's a, he's a populist. He's appealing to a certain form of conservative yeah, yeah, exactly. um, ideology. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there are some some comparisons, I guess. But but I think that the film really does does portray the elite squad as this like, they're almost like a cross between an American SWAT team and like Navy SEALs, right? Like their training is definitely not like normal police training. It is much more military. It's like a paramilitary organization. Yeah, no. And I and I think I think that's the interesting question within this too, is that is that by sort of, you know, really sliding into this um this kind of uh idea of machismo through yeah. that. Uh, what is the film actually saying about these this sort of this this idea of having a quasi military 
um, police organization that sort of feels it's above reproach in terms of following the law. Um, and I think actually that's the thing that I would say is that actually the film probably unsettles me in that way. And I mm. don't, and that's the thing that's weird. If a film unsettles you and you don't really know if the film's trying to unsettle you. And that's the thing, I think that's the thing that unsettles me. Well, I'd say that's the thing that does unsettle me. Mm. It's the fact that I, I feel like the film wants me to be excited about the idea that the elite squad is out there getting this shit done. And I'm, and I just, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of horrified by the whole, I mean, it's not like, obviously I'm also horrified by the, the, the actions of the drug dealers in it, but it's, that's why I'm kind of left at the end going like, what is this movie? Well, I'll be honest. I would love to have one of my Brazilian friends comment on this because I think that this, this is my inclination. So, um, I am constantly reminded by Brazilian friends and I've had like a couple of dozen uh, of, I would say like people that I hang out with that are from different parts of Brazil uh, pretty consistently since I've been here in Sydney. Um, and I've been constantly reminded that they are just used to corruption, that it is like written into their constitution politically. It is part of their daily life. So for them, they don't trust any institutions like it doesn't matter if you kind of come in and you claim to clean everything up. I mean this is part of the reason why Bolsonaro won is because he comes in as being like a supposed outsider, someone who is claiming to be different, someone who is not a part of this corruption. And people are like, you know what? Even if we fucking hate this guy, it's got to be better than what we are constantly bombarded with, which is corruption in the streets, corruption in Congress, corruption in the presidency, corruption in business, corruption in the education system, just corruption everywhere. So I think that there's a cynicism that is that is part of Brazilian culture that, that jars with the American filmic expectations, where we expect some sort of redemption, where like our, our assassins are like Punisher, or the equalizer, who they have like a code that is a moral code that we may not always be like, yeah, I would do that. But we're like, you know what? At least they're operating according to the rules of justice. Whereas Andre is the only one, Machias, Andre Machias is the only one who has a sense of justice. And then even that in the final shot is taken away and it's corrupted. And I think that it's that cynicism because there's corruption everywhere that really does make it unsettling for someone like me to watch this film and for someone like you know I don't know if it was their intention or not but I come away with the film I think with a very similar sense as you where I come away with the film that like okay so even if you're good you're going to be corrupted because that's the only way you can survive so this guy even he has to become a monster at the end like he probably should have just become a lawyer because then he would have just at least maybe had some sort of principles that he lived by but now he gets corrupted and he becomes a monster. Maybe not corrupted in the sense that he's taking money, but corrupted in the sense that he just has to – he just becomes a killer. And that's that's kind of all he can become. The problem is is that it's all done in this way where like you say, it, it's like the Expendables where you're kind of like, these guys are awesome. Or at least at least it makes you – it's filmed that way. that like It makes you think that you're supposed to feel that way. But you kind of don't because you're like, but there's no redeeming qualities that these guys have. Well – and I'm kind of left with this really strange feeling at the end that I'm kind of like, if if I'm unsettled, I'm not sure that was the filmmaker's intention. Or even if it 
I, I don't or I don't actually even think that the filmmakers are necessarily competent enough to really have a perspective or an intention in it. Like mm. it's and I it's it's interesting because the more I've seen of his work, the more I am deeply underwhelmed by Jose Padilla as as a filmmaker, because I thought Narcos was very mediocre. I thought uh, and again, I think has a similar problem. I don't really think it has much ability to delve into much of what's or, or really have much perspective on it i think it's just simply like so i guess these are some things that happened <laughs> um and mina i guess it's not fair to judge someone by the robocop remake but i mean it would definitely be like the problems of that film are deeply baked in and it looks like shit so i mean i i, I can't say i have any I, I, I imagine it ever really looked like it was a competent project. Well, and it's so hard to remake but, um, a film like Robocop because Verhoeven is just yeah. such an interesting filmmaker because he just weaves in layers. So how are you going to fucking mm-hmm. reproduce that, you know? I mean, Robocop is one of those films that you just shouldn't remake. Yeah. Really. I, I you know, unless you can come up with some incredibly different take at which point it's not even robocop anymore and you might as well call it something else exactly it's just some new fucking cyborg cop film or something yeah Yeah. but i mean i I suppose like the funny thing i thought is that when i watched the trailer and looked at the reviews for elite squad 2 i was kind of like because then i think it gets into politics it has a broader scope it's a bigger thing i was kind of like i i had this reflexive moment i was like oh did did austin actually want me to watch elite squad 2 is this, you know, I, that's why I, I kind of was like cheekily going like, so did you watch the sequel? Yeah. Just, just to check that I hadn't actually watched the wrong movie. <laughs> because it was, because I was just so, I was surprised by the fact that I thought what you would gravitate towards in a film and what you would be interested in the film, I really didn't think this film was servicing very well. Mm. And I actually thought weirdly almost comes down on the side of being much more in favor of a kind of fascist police state than potentially I would have expected. Mm. I, I I agree with you. I mean, I do think that, and I'm not using this in the, the language of the culture wars, but I do think that this film is problematic. I do think that it comes down with kind of, kind of praising militarism. In, in a lot of ways, and there's this strange conservatism. I think for me, the reason that I am enjoying it so much is because it's like a cultural artifact, you know? And the, the, the yeah. weird thing no, is... I think that's actually, I yeah. think that's a very good point. Yeah. I, I, it's why I kind of said I found the film interesting without enjoying it, because it's, it's interesting. I think you're right. It's interesting as a kind of cultural artifact. Mm. I will say that uh, the sequel is actually apparently better. It's gotten better. No, yeah, I've, I mean, the reviews would 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 suggest that as well because i read the reviews and it sounds like the sequel takes a very very different kind of narrative drive it's set a lot later because this film's set in like i think 97 and then the the sequel is kind of set in present day Mm. yeah and it got like critical acclaim and i think it was like the all-time box office leader in brazil at one point i don't know if it still is but but apparently this was also the book it's based off was also somewhat controversial Mm. what do you remember how or why I think because I mean it's written by some former is it Bape is that how how it's Bape it? yeah former Bape yeah. yeah and so there was questions about the validity of it questions about the perspective uh. questions about what it was what what message it was sending um, and I I tried to look it up because I really wanted to know I couldn't really find a lot about what the sort of general cultural 
um, feeling about it was in Brazil. So I was kind of curious, what did your Brazilian friends say about it outside, obviously, of uh, the the corruption angle? Yeah, so uh, the corruption angle, and then really it was recommended to me, I think partly because it it is a cultural artifact, and it's one of the most, like Mm. City of God is probably the most famous Brazilian film. Um, But then this one is, in Brazil, is one of the most famous or well-known movies. Um, And then, of course, because Wagner Mora now is so famous because of Narcos, you know, people are now revisiting his films again. Which is which is hilarious because apparently Colombians fucking hate him in Narcos <laughs> because he's a Brazilian guy apparently doing a really bad Colombian accent. I had no – dude, I didn't even know that he was Brazilian when I first saw it because I was like, oh, he, he clearly speaks Spanish, not Portuguese, you know, and I, and I couldn't tell his accent. Um, I, but I do have some Colombian friends here, so I'll have to ask them. Um, but anyway – uh, it, so it's the corruption angle, which I think is one element. But I think more than anything, it's just that they – I have been told this by by multiple ones now, like not even together. But just when I say, oh, hey, I'm watching Elite Squad for this podcast and that I'm gauging their response. And it's the same response. It's like this film is a relatively accurate depiction and it was really kind of influential in raising a lot of our kind of larger social awareness Um about things that are going on in the favelas and and about life in the slums. Not that I think people didn't know to some degree, but the again, this idea of corruption, how the police are embedded. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that a lot of the dissatisfaction that led to the election of Bolsonaro and the dissatisfaction with the previous political party, which is called Pete, um, I don't think that we could completely disconnect that maybe this film had some sort of impact and kind of at least contributing one link to the chain that's a hundred links long, right? Um, that that kind of added to this suspicion about the state and and the sort of like national institutional bodies that that kind of govern or police or or manage life. So that's kind of where my fascination came from when I first was like, oh, I want to watch this film, and that's kind of the constant response that I get from my Brazilian friends when they talk about this movie. I, I think I think it's just that weird thing because I think to a certain extent I'm not. Obviously, I'm not against corruption narratives. I'm not against, you know, I'm quite happy to have a film where ultimately the end result is that the idealist is, is the, his, his idealism is destroyed and he becomes part of the, the, the cog within the horrible machine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, even like I was thinking about, say, something like Seven, where at the end, you know, uh, spoiler, uh, <laughs> Brad, Brad Pitt, uh, uh, who is the kind of, idealist out of the two of him and um morgan freeman his uh wife is killed by the serial killer and he ends up uh taking retribution by killing him yeah. completing the seven deadly sins and the <laughs> film kind of ends on a wealth it's all fucked right. or even you know you know it, it, or, or you know even I, I i like that kind of spiral i find there's something kind of interesting in that i don't think we have to have happy endings i I think it's just the thing that I don't think it's ever really fully developed within this film. And I think it's Mm. the structure is the thing that bugs me so much about it because I don't think this is ultimately – I think Matthias is kind of robbed of his story, Mm. which I also thought was kind of potentially interesting if we want to go back to obviously the Green Book thing and the fact that essentially you're kind of like, okay, the black guy within Brazil is kind of the interesting story with this, but I'm stuck sort of following around this lighter-skinned dude who I'm not that interested in. Um and I, I, and I, I think maybe part of the problem here is that it's an adaptation of a book, so it's trying to facilitate some of the narrative constructs of the book. Would be my guess. Yes, it's um, trying to do I mean, too a lot much. Of times when I see for a really, sure. 
I I do feel like a lot of times at the moment when I see a really, really badly structured film, oftentimes, you know, it's I, I find out that it's trying to service uh, a, a narrative structure of a book. So, you know, Bird Box was a similar case where the narrative structure there made no sense. And you were just kind of like and like 20 minutes in, I'm like, OK, this is based off a book because there's no film that would have this is a terrible way to structure your movie. Um and I and and I think also that may also be the the reason why there's so much goddamn voiceover and these things just end up really hurting the film. So it is like that kind of constant push and pull. Like I'm you know the film will get you kind of like interested and then you know completely deflate that through something else. And then you know it's weird too because then at the second half of the movie suddenly we're into like basic training and I'm looking at the running time I'm like there's only like forty minutes left in this movie like. I mean, wh- wh- where's the end result of all of this going to end up going? And so that's so why, again, I kind of feel like it makes sense to me that the sequel is better because this feels like it's all kind of set up for a TV show we never got. Or there might be an Elite Squad TV show for all I know, but it's, it's um, you know, it, it just doesn't feel like it really stands on its own or works as a movie. Yeah, I can totally see that. I can totally see that. I mean, that is part of the problem of trying to adapt any book, right? Um, there was another one. It wasn't just mm-hmm. Bird Box. There was another film that we watched or that we talked about recently. Oh, uh, was it Vice? It, Vice isn't made on a book, right? Might be, yeah. Uh, I don't remember. But were you Vice? Well, Vice is based off, I think, a couple of different. Yeah, and you're kind of like, dude, he's just trying too much, you know? Yeah, he's 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 trying to throw too much in there, exactly, and everything then feels underdeveloped. Yeah, exactly, and I think you find that in this as well. I mean, this is why novels are three, four hundred, five hundred pages, and they have to get reduced down to eighty to one hundred twenty pages in a movie, you know. And when you do yeah, that, you yeah. lose a lot of the narrative structure of the novel. It's very difficult to turn a novel into a film. Well, and I think also there's there's something to be said, too, about the idea that if you're a uh, a film industry that's not necessarily some kind of like giant burgeoning juggernaut, then you're left in this kind of weird limbo where are you trying to appease the art market or are you trying to appease the populist market? Are you trying to play purely to your own domestic audience or are you looking at international audiences? So it's, it's interesting um, because to a certain extent, part of me also kind of thinks like, okay, so even if I didn't get it, if people in Brazil liked it, then what the fuck does it matter if I liked it or not? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's kind of true, right? <laughs> uh, I know. I mean, I do want to say this though. I, I do think that one of the things that was really interesting about the movie is I think the acting is pretty good across the board. Like one of the things I was really impressed with was that I mean, because this isn't like some big budget movie. These, uh, you know, Wagner Mora wasn't. It's definitely not a big budget movie, dude. Because there's, I can tell you something really funny. Yeah. Um, there are literally some sound cues and sound drops in this that you can get off free websites that uh, I have used myself. <laughs> really? Like, do you remember which, which ones? It was kind of hilarious. Well, like the bit at the end where he's gonna shoot the guy before it goes to the credits and it goes doom. That's it. I have heard that before because I have seen it in numerous terrible um, low budget shorts. So which was which was really funny. It happened. I can't remember the other two. It happened at least two more times. But it was really funny to hear these kind of like really cheap sound effects. And it was interesting, too, because I I went back and I rewatched a bit of City of God afterwards because I kind of wanted to be like, okay, because I haven't watched City of God in years. So it was like that thing of I wanted to kind of decide if I wanted to try and figure out if I was 
reacting to the to what I perceived as cheapness on an unfair basis because I was like overinflating the idea of like the style and the look of City of God. And it's it's no doubt this film looks a lot cheaper and a lot more poorly directed than City of God does. That's a it, that that has a much sort of cleaner, much uh, kind of more um, stylized look to it. Whereas mm. this really does kind of feel. This feels like 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 a like a TV movie. This feels like sort of like a, a cheap kind of TV kind of um, version of handheld, where it really does feel like they're just running scenes through, and you know they're they're taking up a couple of different coverage positions. Like there's very little design to how the visuals look. Yeah, see, I think part of the reason that I would, I'm attracted to the aesthetic of the film is because of that, because I really enjoy the kind of guerrilla running gun style. I mean, obviously we've done a few projects yeah, but I, like that. I don't mind that. In theory, I don't think it's very well done in this film. I think there's people who do it well, and there's people who do it cheaply and half-assed. Okay, like, to I, me, this was a half-assed version. Of there that. are certain parts that I really liked. Like I said, I really like the intro. Like, the intro for me, I was immediately in it. Like, I was watching it with my friend Marcella, and I was already like, oh, I'm going to like this movie. And she was like, you think? I was like, yeah, 100%. I was like, I'm going to like this movie. Because I could just – there was an energy – and an intensity and an immersion about it that I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to be into this. And then it slows down a little bit. And then there are, and then there are moments where I get brought back in again. Um, and then it kind of slows down a bit. And then there are moments where I get brought in. It was very inconsistent for me, but I think, I think I like at least what they were trying to do, you know? And you can totally see why the sequel would then be better. Maybe this isn't, this wasn't a pilot for a film. Or for a TV series, but you could definitely see why this is like a setup for a franchise, and why the second one or a third one would then be better. Well, it's it's also like I mean, even like I look at it from this, it, it's it's not an uncommon thing. It's like you look at say Tim Burton's Batman film compared to Batman Returns. I mean, Tim Burton's Bat, the first Batman kind of sucks, um, but like Batman Returns is like legit. Whereas, and you know, it's kind of true with say. Spider-Man as well. Like the first Spider-Man's kind of hokey. It's a little bit simple. It's kind of just there to set up a whole bunch of things. And then Spider-Man 2 is where they really sort of like, you know, sort of get going with it. So, I mean, I think um, I think it's yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of validity in saying like this is setting up something that for like a really good movie later on. Yeah, I mean, even not intentionally, um, again, probably, but it's probably like a, no, a, a director and I some think, producers think, that are like, hey, we have an idea. If we can make this movie with our low budget and maybe we can make some money, then we can do the film that we really want to make next. But, right. Well, I could also see how Wagnamora's character is much more interesting as a man 15 years down the line than he is at this time in his life. I can see how Matthias, given everything we know about him now, would be a very interesting character in a in a, in a future film. You know, you're carrying a lot of baggage then into those characters and those performances in future movies. And I could see how that could be interesting. And I also see how potentially a sequel could question a lot more of the things that I think this film feels like it takes at face value. But I'm just, you know, it's, it, it's also, it doesn't sell me on watching a sequel because I don't watch this and feel like I have confidence in the people putting, putting that product out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I looked it up by the way, it's uh, adjusted for, um, um, for currency, it's the budget was around three million dollars. I mean, that's still a pretty fair amount of money. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I got to imagine too, you're paying crew a lot less than say you would in the states. I mean, I imagine like a mi the minimum wage, all these kind of things are a little bit uh, cheaper. You can probably get away with doing things cheaper than you would say on an American production. Yeah. 
Well, I will say, so I was just talking with, uh, with my friend Marcella, and what she said was, is precisely what I said earlier, um, was that she just texted me. And I was like, all right, I'm doing the podcast now. I said, Kier wants to know what Brazilians think. And she said, oh, it's basically just what I told you before, that this film kind of raised a lot of awareness about the corruption with the police and the bad police in our country. And Bape are kind of like the elite of the police. But, you know, it is, a, it is definitely a fictionalized account of them. Um, but that's pretty much it, you know, and then she says that we should see the second one because the second one, that's much more about politics and, uh, it's much more of a serious film is how she says it. This one is more of like an action film and that one's more of like a serious drama. Mm -hmm. Which again was why I think I wondered if you told, if I, if you told me the wrong film, because again, that sounded like the second one sounded far more <laughs> like what you would gravitate towards. Well, dude, you um, got to start somewhere. Maybe, maybe in 2019, I'll bookend the year with Elite Squad 2. <laughs> we haven't done a sequel yet. We no, haven't done that. So. Have Though, we? It was funny because I clearly don't know our own back catalog because I said the other day that we'd only done one documentary and we've actually done like two other documentaries as well. We've done like, I think at this point we've done something like four documentaries and I said, well, we did like F for one. fake. Does that count? Um, <laughs> Yeah, because we did uh, F for Fake. We also did Room 237. Oh, we did. Um, I forgot and, about that. You know, obviously. And we, we've done, and now, of course, we've done Paradise Lost. And before that, we did, I think there's another documentary in there. I'm pretty sure somewhere. I've, I, but anyway, my point is that we hadn't, um, I, I was wrong. We had done other documentaries. Um, right. But I, I, I think it's it's interesting because I, I am kind of struck by this idea that to a certain extent, I'm criticizing this film through the prism of, you know, how I approach it from having seen kind of uh, American style action movies and American style police procedurals and the, the culture it's presenting and what you're talking about with the co corruption is not necessarily something that can be, it's not really something that can be a one-to-one -one application. I can't look at this and compare it to how police organizations necessarily work in the United States because right. they're dealing with Very a different, different type of crime, a different type of culture. So at a certain point, it's like that thing of I'm saying my reaction to this, but at the same time, that's not necessarily fair um, given the fact that I'm not living and understanding those circumstances. I do just think at the same time, though, I don't think that stops you from being able to address some nuance in all of this. Well, and I, I think, again, I feel like there's a real point to which I don't think there's much delving into the political reasons that these favelas exist, the day-to-day -day living circumstances of these people. And as you said, ultimately, because the perspective we're only really given is the cops and Wagnamora, who's calling them fucking these, these, these drug-dealing scum and everything. And to a certain extent, when I'm left, I'm, I'm left at the end of the day going, well, if that's my only perspective I'm really given and my real, uh, I, I'm, I'm what I'm, I'm seeing is drug dealers um, killing these libtard college students, then then what am I, what am I left to make of this other than the elite squad are justified in what they're doing, or at least, or at least that's what the film's suggesting to me. So, mm. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I can get the perspective, um, argument on it, but I don't think the film's giving me an awful lot to work with. It's also interesting to add that, um, the people that come to Sydney, Australia, aren't going to be for the most part, people from the favelas themselves. So the my friends that I've made here that have been Brazilian have all been middle class or middle upper class, right? Like Marcella, for example, is an architect. 
They're so the like college students. <laughs> so so like her, for example, her perspective is going to be very different. You know, another one of my friends, Rafaela, is somebody who was a college student. Another friend, Tamires, was a college student. You know, um, some of the guys that I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu with. Uh, here in uh, in in Sydney, and that I've trained with in Southern California. Again, I haven't really been friends with anybody that's been from the favelas. They've all been people who were middle class or middle upper class. So their perspective on this film is even going to be different from somebody who's in the favelas. Now they would be able to tell you that more, like if they were talking. But I just don't know. So again, from their perspective, like from somebody who grew up in the slums in Rio, I would also be curious what is their perspective on how Bope are. Like, are they viewed as like these just assholes that are just coming in and disrupting things that are is otherwise a relatively, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say peaceful, but you know that that's an ecosystem, and they're just like this foreign invader that's coming into this ecosystem. Like, how how do they understand it? No, I'm sure they that you wouldn't just say that everything is great because from what I have understood, life in the slums is not this like peaceful, harmonious world, and you know the the police coming in are just disrupting an otherwise perfect ecosystem. That's not my point. But my point is, I just don't know what that perspective would say as well. And I think there's room for that perspective. And I think again, right. that's why I really gravitated towards the scene where the college students are discussing the place of the police in in this world and i and it's why i love say a tv show like the wire because the wire has this really kind of fascinating it's it's like it's it's depicting an ecosystem and it's kind of um it's looking at what the cops role in that but it's also looking at what the criminals role in that and you have those two very even-handed and you're kind of left with this kind of feeling of like i'm not necessarily rooting for one or the other i'm kind of just I'm kind of understanding how this world works, and you know, again, well, part of that comes down to character development, though. We don't really, we don't really get character development uh, in this film, like you said, uh, Wagner Mora at at all. No, no, not really. And and I almost feel like you start to get a little bit of it with with Mora, uh, his character, like the idea that he is going to be a father that he wants to get out. But I think, like you said, they sort of just rely on a a very simplistic narrative device that, oh, he's going to be a father and he's looking for a replacement. Therefore, we recognize that he's a family man. And there might be a lot of heavy lifting that's being done there for like a Brazilian audience who would much more be attuned to that. Like there's like just some triggers there that are automatically like, ah, Family man, because family life and family culture is something that is much more important to um, Brazilian peoples just on general than Americans, for example. Like it's just not. Well, that's the thing, too, that you whenever you're watching a foreign film, too, that you you slightly have to try and take into consideration as well, yeah. because obviously there's going to be things to a domestic audience that uh, they're going to have associations with that are not necessarily going to be true when you're looking at. Um, a uh, when when, you, when you're looking at it from a from as a foreigner, and one of the things that I I remember really being very interesting when I was talking to my when I was in Spanish class is uh, my Spanish teacher kind of saying like you know they don't really do cop shows in Mexico because people just aren't hmm. like people aren't interested they just don't care they're they're not like that you know it's and and how like as cultures we often gravitate towards certain kind of narratives certain kind of uh interests so it's like we watch say something like a telenovela and it it, it seems absurd <laughs> to us right. you know but it's kind of it's 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 a, it's a kind of form of storytelling which is much more engaging culturally on that basis so i mean i i think you're right i think potentially some of these ways that they're portraying 
Wagnamora and to make him a more sympathetic character seem very old hat to us. I mean, I was kind of waiting for the point where he, you know, poured himself a glass of scotch and sat down in a chair and <laughs> lit a cigarette and sort of stared out the window into the night and totally and 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 thought, what you know, uh, and I, 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 I just um, but at the same time, I'm I'm kind of like I I don't think that necessarily. 100% excuses the film because I think the film is still deeply simplistic. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, 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 like I was going to say that with regards to that kind of like character development, I actually think that it does a, a sort of detriment to Wagner Mora's uh, potential for eliciting empathy when they go to the training sessions and he becomes just a real asshole. And I get it. He's got this moral mission that, like, he hates corruption and he hates weakness. And so the one guy, he weeds out because he's weak, because he has no heart, because he's ultimately corrupt. And so the idea is is that unless you're pure of heart, unless you have, like, this this truth about you in your essence, you will not be able to endure this and you cannot be a member of this elite squad because if you have any sign of corruption, it is a part of you and therefore it will surface itself in physical weakness as well. And that's why you can't last through these difficult trials or something like that, which again is another sort of conservative thing that's going on there. But again, it just makes Wagner Mora seem more like this, like, I don't know, moralistic preacher, pious asshole, you know? When if we want to get into this whole kind of like machismo thing as well, I mean, part of part of like like the scene where it really it, it really uh, kind of came home to me was the 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 really quite I thought badly done scene where he walks back into his house. I can't remember. It must have been after something bad specifically happened. I can't remember which incident it was, but he just like just stands and points the finger at his wife and says, don't you fucking question me anymore. Don't you, fu you're going to fucking do what I tell you to. So shut the fuck up. And I'm just kind of like, right. I'm, I'm like, and, and I kind of feel like the film at that point is coming from the perspective of, yeah, you stupid woman, stop fucking questioning this dude who's going out there and fucking killing these scumbags and getting shit done. Fuck you. you know? Well, there it's, is. And he says, I make the decisions. There is, again, there's this machismo there. And again, I've talked with a lot of Brazilian women and there is still much more of a traditional gender dynamic in Brazilian culture that at least – now, obviously, it's changing. Um and there have obviously been feminist movements. I mean, there was just a feminist icon who was recently assassinated, Marielle Franco, uh, a couple of months ago, actually in Brazil. But uh, she was a political activist and and whatnot as well. But but there is still, a, maybe to a larger degree than Western American uh, Anglo American audiences are comfortable with, there is more of like this traditional gender role that does exist. And I think this film takes that to the bad. Right. Like like maybe, you know, that there's still an element of that 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 doesn't exhibit itself in abusive behavior. But that scene in particular demonstrates that there's there is still a part of uh, Brazilian culture that definitely has that machismo element that definitely has traditional gender stereotypes or gender dynamics um, that still impinge. And it kind of dramatizes them to the bad to, again, sort of like fit into the larger the larger sort of narrative that's going on. So I think that is that is something, and I don't think I'm I'm overgeneralizing to say that from what I've from what I've gathered. Well, I was also so. I was struck by this fact that there was again a kind of potentially interesting area that the film could have dove into is again where there's a kind of 
there's a kind of dividing clash and there's a kind of bourgeoisie to these sort of college kids who are quite happy to like argue for the rights of people in the uh, uh, in the favelas because it's very convenient because they can go buy weed from them, you know, and it's like and so they can kind of smoke their weed and kind of like sit in comfort and complain about how the cops are evil while um, while sort of benefiting from a lot of the criminal activity that's going on in those in, in, and I thought, again, potentially a very interesting area. I'm not sure the film really wants to dive into that. And again, I feel like that's kind of sums up my entire point about the film, is that there's a lot of interesting ideas potentially in here. I don't think, I just think they're all kind of bungled. And what we're doing is we're talking about what, what the potential of the film is rather than what the film actually accomplished. Mm. Yeah. 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 I'm with you on that. Cool. Well, I mean, the, 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 to, to sum it all up, the one the, the thing I really did think while watching this movie is um, wearing all black in Brazil feels like that would be that was a really bad choice on the part of the uh, the part of the crew. So one thing one thing that uh, that Marcella did tell me that I thought was funny is the scene when they go to the mechanic and there's like the mechanic that's kind of like overweight and he's all sweaty and gross. She started laughing and she's like, that's what all the mechanics look like in Brazil. <laughs> She's like, they're just like big and a little bit like with the big belly, but they're just super sweaty because it's so hot and humid there all the time. And they've got their shirts off because it's fucking boiling and, well, they're, they're, working and they're working like around engines and, and shit. Like right. That as well. <laughs> She's like, that's, yeah. that's exactly what mechanics look like. <laughs> well, I mean, and also like the other thing I was a little bit disappointed to is, is that I think the racial politics of Brazil is is really fascinating because yeah. uh, I mean, like Brazil is one of like the last countries in the world to get rid of slavery. Like they got rid of slavery like super late. And, um, they're also like, there's, there was this real within South America, there was this real kind of defined idea of hierarchy within sort of race within basically whether you were like, uh, of kind of like Portuguese origin, if you were kind of a mix, if you were part of like the native population, if you were, but there was a lot of kind of mixing. So there was a lot of kind of like quantifying people through, uh, skin color and through, um, sort of lightness and stuff like that. And I thought all of that was I, I, I found all of that kind of really fascinating when I read about it. And I don't think this film like really actually delves into race very much either. Yeah, I wondered if it would because Andre Machias is black, right? And yeah. um I believe he's the only of the principal characters, yeah, that is black, right? And I was yeah. wondering if they would get into that. So like uh, I had another friend here, Alini, who she is very light skinned. And because mm-hmm. her family's like of Italian descent. So like she's like yeah, yeah. she's white. I mean like whiter than I am. Um, like if you saw yeah, her yeah. face in a lineup, you would not probably think, oh, Brazilian. Because we think of probably more yeah, yeah. brown skin, like Latin looking, like Latinx looking, right? Yeah. Um, but I was wondering too if that would factor into the, the, the larger social dynamics. And it didn't. And I wonder if it does in the second one, you know? But again, maybe that's not what this film is about. And maybe there are just other yeah. Brazilian films. I'm sure there are many that deal with that. And if you're listening and you have recommendations for films that would deal with that like that kind of element the the racial politics or like the uh, ethnic politics in brazil fucking let us know because i would be fascinated to look into that and i think definitely i think what i'm i'm definitely saying is i think while this film i i think this film is kind of a bad movie i don't think it's not an uninteresting movie yeah see i would say that i think that it is a fun movie and I think it's really interesting. I didn't but find I it fun it. because I found an awful lot of these "quote unquote" problematic things very uncomfortable. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I was just so sold because 
I was, I'm trying to learn more about Brazilian culture. So for me, I was yeah, just like, no, no, no. you know, so like maybe I was, I was, I was able to like find any of those insufficiencies as just like, nah, I'm just going to write that down as a note to think about later and try and go- God, Google. Austin, what the fuck is going on when I'm the woker one on the podcast? <laughs> I know, man. What is it? week i feel like we need to delve into a topic a filmmaker that we have um that 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 shockingly we have not gotten to yet considering i'm such a huge fan martin scorsese no stop trying to fucking guess things dickhead um and i feel like given the current climate and given the conversation it is the perfect time to talk about it so talk about him as a filmmaker and i think the interesting thing is that given the fact that Today we just did a bonus episode um, on a film about uh, a, a, a you know, a black guy directed by a white person. I think let's watch a movie about white people directed by a black man. We're going to talk about Spike Lee and we're going to talk about his underappreciated 1998 film, Summer of Sam. Whoa. Of all the Spike Lee films, you go with Summer of Sam. Well, because I decided, you know what, I want to do a deep cut. I want to do something a little bit more unusual with Spike Lee, and I want to see, I want to do something where he's kind of pushing the boat out. Because, I mean, fuck's sake, people have talked about do the right thing to death, you know? People have talked about, I mean, even, like, 25th Hour these days is kind of like Spike Lee's, like, oh... Your your hipster choice if you um if if you're trying to prove that you're like you're mm-hmm. you're into Spike Lee yeah. I'm like no no man let's do something a little bit more unusual this is a film that I really really liked I haven't watched in about ten years so I'm really kind of fascinated to see what it's like but I'm really intrigued to see yeah. what uh, how how it's aged yeah dude I'm similar I haven't seen this in like a decade so mm. and I I don't really remember anything about it. So I'm curious. It's kind of him doing a big ensemble film. I think it's really. I I think it's it's obviously it's it's uh, set in New York, set in Brooklyn, and it's him making a film really set within the Italian American community. So I'm, and I think again, I think the idea of given the fact of the discourse around Green Book and his feelings about Green Book, I thought you know it would actually be really interesting to see the counter. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good to me, and you know, any film that has. Uh... Adrian Brody and John Leguizamo in it is going to make me happy. So, and I mean, I, I love me Samira Sorvino. So. Yeah. Okay. So join us next week. Um, if you, uh, if you want to check out some of our past episodes, you can go to, I dig this You can follow us with Twitter at I dig this movie. Um, and apparently we've done a few some... documentaries so you can look through our back catalog. Yes. <laughs> you can watch. Yeah, those. exactly. <laughs> You want to you want to see the time I tried to troll Austin by watching uh, Room Two Thirty Seven? Then um, Dick. Then then, uh, then go back to that. <laughs> but um, and then uh, yeah, if you want to check out my work, you can go to kirsteywood You can follow me at Instagram on Breaking Point Flicks. I've started putting up some sort of conceptual short Instagram videos. Yeah, I dig them. Lately, so they're really good. Check this out. 
Yeah, um, really cool. Austin? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter, Austin underscore Hayden, or you can hit me up on Insta, AUS underscore H-A-Y. And uh, let us know what you think about the episode, especially if you're Brazilian or if you have any insight into Brazilian politics, culture, uh, life in the favelas or the police force or anything like that. Let us know. And then, uh, of course, if you have thoughts on like the sequel in its relation to the first one, let us know what you think about that shit as well. Of course, or anything else you want to talk to us about. Cool. So join us next week for Summer of Sand. Later. Later.